Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Robert Zimmerman joining us, award-winning science journalist, historian. He has written a number of books and numerous articles on science engineering, the history of space exploration and technology. Some include Genesis, The Universe in a Mirror, Leaving Earth, the Chronological Encyclopedia of Discoveries in Space. His website is BehindTheBlack.com. And, of course, he also reports on space and science news at his website, Beyond be behind the black.com. Robert, welcome back, my friend. How have you been? Oh, I'm in good, George. It's always a pleasure to be here. You know, it's been too long. It has been a while since since we talked. The, they're talking more about the Space Force. Congress has passed laws. The Senate's passed laws. We're going to get funding for it. What do you think of that? Um, you know, it's interesting about the Space Force. That was Everyone makes a big deal about how, oh my gosh, Trump wants to have uh, people in uniform with guns in space firing lasers and phasers. The real reason uh, he proposed that was to get the uh, military space uh, bureaucracy reorganized. The the military's been trying to get this to happen for about 10 years. It, spread o- it was spread over many different agencies. It did not have a voice in the Washington bureaucracy. Uh, the Air Force ran it mostly, and they have their own interests that, have, that are separate from space. And so there's been an effort in the Pentagon to get it reorganized, and they couldn't get it off the ground. And Trump, being very clever about these things, um, uh, announced we're going to have a space force, and of course that gets a lot of press and mm-hmm. gets a lot of discussion. And the result is that they got the, they got the thing off the ground. And so what's really happened here is that bureaucracy's now been reorganized. Now I don't know if in the long run this is going to work because Washington bureaucracies tend to grow and not save you any money and don't necessarily make things more efficient. But the concept, the idea, was to make things more efficient and to give give that. Uh, the needs of the nation in terms of military space, a focus. And so we will see if that transpires over the next few years. But at least it's where, where I see it coming, and I think, I think the concept was a good one. We'll see once again how it plays out. Well, if we don't do it, another nation will, Robert. Well, yeah, you know, what's, the fact is that the, the, the Chinese, who are a, an undeniable threat to, to the United States are uh, trying very hard to become um, the next superpower. Uh, they, they want to literally replace the Soviet Union in the world competition for power. And they are part of the way they're doing that is to have a very aggressive and well planned space uh, program. And it is a military program, it, it, anyone who thinks otherwise is not paying attention. They, their military runs the entire operation, and uh, that's what their goals are. A, anything they do in space is specifically, even if it's a civilian effort, a manned civilian effort, it's a scientific probe to the far side of the moon, a rover there, all the technology that they develop there is 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 fed right back into their military industrial uh, complex, and so they are something to pay attention to. They, in a sense, already have their space force. One of the things a lot of Americans don't know about China to talk about this is that 
Um, they have been using their space industry as a training program for their political leadership. Hmm. So their go- provincial governors, the same as our state governors, uh, they're not elected; they're they're appointed. It's a it's a it's this is very Confucian in concept. They have a management arrangement how they run their country as they have for thousands of years. In the past, they used to have this test where you had to take a literature test in Chinese, and anyone could take it, no matter how poor you were. And if you succeeded in passing, you were in line, in the track, to become a major, important, powerful bureaucrat or manager or even leader within the Chinese government. That's for thousands of years. Well, it didn't really work. It got corrupted. You know, passing a test on literature doesn't necessarily make you a good manager politically, especially when you start to have to compete against technological countries from the West. And they collapsed in the 19th century. They couldn't compete. Uh, and, And so... They now instead use their space program as that test. And of their provincial governors, about half came out of the space management, the management of their space program. And they, so their governors that rule their, rule their provinces came out of their space program. It would be like in the United States. Uh, you want to become a governor of New York State or California, you've got to be a successful manager at NASA and have successfully run a program there. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that approach, but what it means twofold in China is they have found a way to uh, develop a effective management system in their government in the modern technological world. That's one, and that makes them a, a, a definitive threat, or at least competitor with us. And the second thing is it means that their space program is going to be treated favorably by their government because so many people came out of it. And you don't go into a space program without a little bit of geek space cadet in you. <laughs> and so, uh, so that's twofold what to think about. And, and those same people are going to see are going to favor keep using their space program as a way to keep feeding good people into their governmental management structure. And so that means they are going to be a space force, and I'm not using it in terms of the Trump ads, but they're going to be a force in space that will have to be contended with for probably a very long time. What, uh, what do you think of the privatization of space? I mean, we've got all these companies popping up already, you know, launching and... What's your take on that? Well, let's use a little history. I'm a historian, so let's look at history over the last half century. Um, when in the and this is what Genesis, my book Genesis: Story of Apollo 8, basically talked about how we won the space race in the 60s, but it taught us all the wrong lessons. We won that space race to prove that freedom, private enterprise, capitalism, and competition are the way to make a great society and to achieve great things. But to do to win the space race, we built it on a space program, a Soviet model. And the lesson the nation took from that is let's have more space programs, let's have big government, let's do let's become the Soviet Union. Literally that's what we became. And so for the last fifty years we have not done very much in space. We really didn't accomplish very much. Um, government doesn't achieve these things very well. They're not capable of it. And what's most interesting is how quickly, when you allow private enterprise to 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 be your your king here, to make things work, you suddenly get incredible innovation, and you disrupt the industry, and you suddenly get things happening that 
for years were not happening. And the prime example, I always talk about this, and I've talked about this on your show before, but it bears repeating, is that for 50 years, and I've been a historian on this subject for decades, and I've been following space since I was a teenager in the 60s, for decades, managers and engineers at all the major rocket companies repeatedly told said, and they told me personally, repeatedly as a journalist, that it is impossible to reuse any part of your rocket. You can't land it vertically. You can't, even if you could, you'd waste so much fuel, you couldn't get your payload into orbit. And even if you have successfully landed and gotten your payload into orbit, the first stage is just not going to be in a usable state to launch again. How wrong wrong could they be, right? They couldn't be farther wrong. And the reason it happened is that SpaceX is being run by a private individual who had dreams of his own and decided to take risks and innovate and not accept that accepted wisdom. And because he saw a way to make a lot of money. He saw that if he could reduce the cost of launch, he would pull in a lot of business that others weren't trying to get. And the fact is that SpaceX and Elon Musk in the last decade has literally stolen the entire market share of rocket launches that Russia had, about a third of what Europe had, and I'd say about 20% of what uh, the other American launch companies had. Isn't that dramatic? And and the the result is he's making a very lot of money, money that he, he, of course, he keeps for himself, he should, but most of which he he pumps back into the company to do more innovation, to keep himself um, ahead of the game. I'll give an example. This week, they launched, they made their first launch for the year. And when they did, they launched uh, 60 new satellites in their Starlink constellation. This is SpaceX trying to do a constellation to provide worldwide internet capabilities. And now they, they've already put up 180 satellites of that, and within less than a year, they've, bec- they've leapfrogged every other satellite communications uh, constellation company in the world, and they now have the biggest constellation. It's only begun. They're going to put a lot more satellites up before the year's over. But their goal is to provide Internet services for the world at a, a cheap cost. And they're using the Falcon 9 rocket to launch it. And All right, so SpaceX has the satellites, and they now have the rocket. That rocket... Um, the, the first stage of the rocket that they launched, this was the fourth time they'd used it. You realize how oh, that's amazing. When they, when they have an, uh, 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 another customer, they reduce the cost, but they don't have to bring the cost down a lot because no one else can match them. So they make a lot of profit when they've got other customers. But when it's their own payload going into orbit, that's a lot of money they're saving, which means when they get their Constellation launched, they'll be able to provide that worldwide Internet service almost certainly at a price much less than any other satellite constellation. And there are others trying to do the same thing. And so this, you see how this builds upon itself. And so competition and private enterprise creates innovation and reduces the cost for everybody. And so this is what, you know, we're back in the Cold War. You've got a Chinese space program, centralized, run by the government, competing now with the American concept of competition, freedom, and uh, private enterprise. Uh, I'll put my money on the private enterprise thing any day of the week, but it's the same Cold War as before, and we have to 
fight it. We have to be aware of it. What would you say, Robert, has been, over the last few years, the most dramatic thing you've seen for space? Well, it depends on whether you're talking about the science and the actual exploration going on, or if you're talking about uh, commercial space and the ability to get into space uh, better. I mean, to me, probably the most exciting in terms of rocketry and getting into space, the most exciting moment in the last, oh, I would say 40 years since the landing on the moon. Uh, Well, maybe there's other things in between, but one of the most earth-shattering, exciting moments was when SpaceX successfully landed its first stage for the very first time. Um, Because... Once again, I have been hearing that this was impossible for decades. I, you know, and what can I say? I'm not an engineer. I got to accept on on face value what people were telling me. But they said they were going to do it. And when I, I was at the speech where Elon Musk announced he was going to try to do this, and I said, "Gee, everyone told him told me that wasn't going to work." He, he made it work. And then they proceeded to reuse the first stages, and then they proceeded to land it on a barge out in the ocean. And I said, "Oh my gosh!" And this is earth shattering because. It changes how you look at rockets. We're no longer looking, and this gets back to the first stage of the Falcon 9 launch this week. They had used that stage four times. It is no longer a rocket that's expendable. It's a ship. It's, part, it's a ship that's being reused like an airplane. Uh, now, it's not yet at the stage of airplanes where they can fly you know, millions of miles and last for 40 years and endless flights, but it's 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 getting very close. In fact, SpaceX has two different first stages right now that they've launched four times, and they're going to use again. So that's eight launches where they didn't have to build a new first stage with new engines. They could reuse those engines. Once again, the savings and cost is gigantic. Another way to look at it is they have developed technology that makes it possible to reuse the first stage entirely. Um, they are trying to develop a technology to reuse the fairings that protect the payloads during launch, and they've had some success with that. Those two combined is about 70% of their rocket. What's the remaining 30%? Well, that's the upper stage that gets into orbit. They right now have to discard that first stage, that second stage. Well, you know, when you look at it, the space shuttle essentially recovered its upper stage. That was the shuttle itself. Mm-hmm. So the technology exists to recover for a second stage as well. And so what is SpaceX doing? They are developing Starship and Super Heavy, which is their next generation rocket. The first stage, the Super Heavy, is much bigger than the Falcon 9 first stage, but it's essentially using the same technology that they have and they know how to do. So they'll be able to make that first stage, Super Heavy, work. I have no doubt about it because they have the knowledge and the te- technology. And in fact, they've already done a launch, wi- uh, a test flight with the, the, the engines for that to show that they can control it and bring it back vertically and land it. The second stage of, of Starship Super Heavy, Starship, is a reusable ship basically taking advantage of the knowledge that we have from the space shuttle and applying their engines to it and their ability to land vertically, and they're going to be able to have a reusable second stage. And the two combined will cost per launch, if Elon Musk's predictions are right, and he's been pretty good, if his predictions are right, the launch cost will be comparable to what you pay now for like a Falcon Heavy launch, about $100 million. Wow. Reusable. 
and it'll be putting into orbit equivalent to a Saturn V rocket, 100-plus tons. When do we go back to the moon or Mars with astronauts? Well, you see, now that's the interesting question. This is what his company is developing. This ties right into what I'm just saying now, George. So his company is developing this, and they're hoping to start to launch this within the next three to five years. Uh, meanwhile, for the last 20 years, NASA's been trying to develop a, its version of a new Saturn V rocket called the Space Launch System. I've written about this. They have spent, they're going to end up spending close to $60 billion to develop it. It maybe could launch once every year. Each launch is going to cost, uh, depending on how you want to amortize the development costs, anywhere from 2 to $14 billion. They've spent 20 years developing it. They're still three years away from launching. This is the rocket that uh, the Trump administration is depending on to get back to the moon by 2024 dur during his second term, assuming he wins. Um, uh, it is, to my mind, highly unlikely that will happen. If it does happen, it doesn't really get us very much because the cost of the rocket and the cumbersome nature in which it's designed makes it very difficult to really have a long-term space effort. You All you'll do is what we did in the 60s. You'll do a stunt launch or two, and that'll be it. So maybe they'll get back to the moon with that, with people on a mission or by 2024 or thereabouts. But that's not getting us to the moon. I think what needs to happen to get to the moon is exactly what SpaceX is doing, private enterprise competing to come up with good ideas. And I think that SpaceX will probably be able to achieve that based on their track record. You know, things cannot go wrong, but based on their track record, I think they could probably do it almost as fast, and they'll be doing it with something that will cost pennies in comparison. When was the last manned moon launch? That was in 1973. 73. That was, that was so if, if um, we had continued, if we had continued and not stopped then in 73, what would the moon look like now? Would we have bases there and everything else? You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult question to answer because the assumption has to be that uh, Americans would have been continued to willing to spend the money with the Saturn V rocket to launch many missions. And even though Werner von Braun designed that rocket as, as a vehicle for colonizing the entire solar system, and it had the capability, because it could put 100 tons into orbit, much like SLS is trying to do and much like Starship is trying to do, it cost a lot. It cost too much. And since Americans have always looked with skepticism on the idea of using government coerced tax dollars mm -hmm. to do this, the, the um, political will was just not there. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.